Storm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Trevor Scott, and with me, as always, is Ben Slinger. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of BitStorm. Okay, we're going to do something that we haven't done for a little while, which is just because we don't really want to improvise tonight. We thought, let's do some game reviews from games that we've been playing recently and over the last, like, six months or so. Yeah, you and I play a bunch of games. We each have Game Pass. We buy games. We've got Black Market Game Pass now. Yep. We get onto the dark web sometimes and look at indie games that are there. Uh, a lot of, a lot of stuff that maybe doesn't hit the mainstream. So we like to, uh, talk about some of those games that we've played and, and give our sort of impressions. Yeah. Did you want to hit us with your first game tonight, Trevor? Yes. Okay. My first game is Nighttime Ballet Choreographer. Yeah. That's a, that's a fun one to pronounce that one. Yes. Old NBC Nighttime Ballet Choreographer. As it's known, um, it's, you know, fan uh, fan base. Yeah, yeah, the small following it's got on the dark web. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like this because it was quite interesting to have a have a VR game where you had to actually have a, a connect so that you could do oh, the okay. full. Oh, that's how the they've full gone. choreography. That's yep. how they've gone with sort of doing the full body thing. Yeah, because there's obviously yep. a few ways that 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 can be done these days. Um, but you, of course, you've always got old peripherals hanging about. Um, I've got heaps of old peripherals. I've got the, like the connect is literally just sitting up of yeah, yeah, up here above where I'm sitting. <laughs> um, so I mean, I'm curious because I didn't play this one. I don't have a connect. Um, I tried. It. I invited I tried you it. over. I invited you over, and you you kept on saying nah, nah. It's too far, Trevor, to go now. I live too far away from you now. <laughs> You're still close. <laughs> you can get here in like three minutes by car. Yeah, but look, I've got a lot There's going on. It's not two minutes. <laughs> got a lot going on, Trav. Um, <laughs> no, I just, I, yeah, I didn't manage to come and try it. I did, I did try out sort of the, um, I, I gave it a quick go without the connect because they have sort of a compatibility mode, but it, it, yeah. it, it obviously needs ballet is so leg and body centric, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the good thing is you can, you can sort of just give the general pose and, um, the models make it look amazing. Like. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's from what I, from what I could tell, it's a very much the sort of wish fulfillment that you want out of a, out of a game in general, particularly a VR game. Like you feel they've done a really good job of making it feel like you are choreographing this ballet and then performing. Yeah. Well, well. I didn't get the DLC, so I didn't get to do the performance part because that's only part of the actual, you know, mm-hmm. DLC. Uh, you know, I think they called it called it opening night or something like that. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, so all I got to do was choreo- uh, choreograph the whole thing, and then I got to sit in the audience and watch them perform my mm. um, insane routine. Uh, well, what? Um, I, yeah. Well, this is that's what I thought was cool was that you essentially you you choreograph the whole ballet. In pieces, like you'd say, okay, this is this person, you know, we're going to do the the lead, whatever, the lead male. I don't know the ballet terms and stuff, but uh, we're going to do them first and you, like, play out their whole thing, including, like, where they're going to lift and where they're going to spin people and, and different things. And then you sort of switch over. It's like, okay, now I'm doing, like, the, the ballerina part and you, you plan out their moves and you sort of have to- mm. 
it, it's only going to look good if you sync them up, uh, which yep. is where really and those skill which, comes in. Yeah, you've really got to get that timing nailed right down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tell you what, VR can sometimes be a tricky or a fickle beast. Yeah. Um, because you really do feel like you're right in there. And there were once or twice that I thought, oh, yeah, he can catch me. And, and I nearly, ne- nearly jumped. Okay. Nearly yeah, jumped. Yeah. I was going to ask how they handled, because I didn't, I didn't play that far in, like how they handled, yeah, the, the lifts and things when you're, when you're up in the air, essentially. Oh, you, it feels like you're being lifted. Yeah. And it's a bit disorienting because you're so like- So, not for people oh. who get motion sick <laughs> with their VR. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, though. One thing I really did like, though, was that as you were doing it, uh, it kind of knew how to push you back into where the camera was. Like, mm. oh, it's got, it did a couple little tricks. Just it's to- got one of those sort of smart things where it, it sort of keeps track so that it knows if you need to go in a certain direction. It yeah, so it has you turned around correctly and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it was. There was a, a, a stage where you know you sort of your head off off screen. And you walk through like this tiny little maze sort of thing. And then all of a sudden you, you come out again and it's like, it lights up and says, yep, you can choreograph again. And you're like, you, you're choreographing through this, through right, this part. But and it's all like, immersive still. Yeah. But it's really immersive. That's you cool. need a lot of space though. Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, even, uh, even just one, you know, ballet kick or whatever. <laughs> jump. <laughs> what well, one, one jump and, you know, my head nearly hit the fan. Yeah. So I had to turn the fan off. Yeah. Yeah. After well, that. Yeah. Yeah. I was impressed by your kicks, though, because you showed me the yeah, video of it, your final Yeah, I, I, and I, I streamed it. I, yeah. At least I think you joined the, the live stream. I saw I saw some, and then uh, I got worried for your safety, and I uh, just- So, I turned it off, because yeah, I just okay. didn't want to see you fall over and hurt yourself. Yep. I thought um, that was the most so appropriate thing to do. I thought this was really cool. Um, it had audio, which was amazing. Um, is visuals. It had audio. Is that like a plus for a game now for you? Just it's that always it has been a audio. plus. But it just, has audio. Just that it has. I just thought it was kind of a base level thing for a game to have audio, but yeah, it has audio and it has visuals. So therefore, you know, I give it my two points. That right, right, okay. Yeah. This is your. Oh, and it has VR, and yeah, it gets the extra point for that. Right. Okay. And the connect. So it's already up to four. So like, you just keep adding points. It's not out of anything. Yeah. You just keep adding <laughs> points anything, based on just, fe- you know, things that yeah. you'd like to make. I think that's fine. It's still the higher the better. So presumably. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. What was your, cool. what was your first one that you uh, want to yeah, review so I, this week? I played a bunch of Bionic Devil Voyage. Um, yes. which is this yes. really cool, like Metroidvania kind of thing, uh, mm. set in hell. Uh, well, partially set in hell, you know, it, as it says, it's a voyage. You find yourself, uh, you know, in the human, human realm to start with as this sort of little, little mini robotic devil. Deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the, at, you're not robotic to start with, but, um, they very quickly, uh, it's very early on that, you know, it's almost sort of an opening cutscene thing. And then you, you find yourself with bionic legs and that's the first sort of addition to your, uh, to your demon body. Yeah, I was really, really quite impressed that they got the license from the old Bionic Man um, series. Yeah, so they had technically like a spin-off. Yeah, so they had the whole, you know, we can rebuild him, mm. you know, 
all that. All I that think actually they got the license. I think they got the license just for that phrase and the sound because there's no real other tie-ins to story or anything. Oh, uh, it costs six million dollars to to upgrade <laughs> the devil. Right. Okay. That's almost a little Easter egg though because you don't see that until you've fully upgraded and it shows you like because you've got the costs that are that are building as you go. Oh, didn't you uh, see the little price tag on the side that was there the whole time? Like it was. It was fully I, physically rendered and everything. I missed, it was just I guess on your I, leg. Yeah, I missed. I didn't realize that's what that was. There was three million uh, on each one, so there were two little price tags just flicking around. That was a good. That was a good use of uh, some nice little physics. Um, physics clothes, you know, clothes, yeah. clothing objects. But yeah, no, I thought it was. I thought it was quite good. The the way that that it is all one space, you know, like a lot of you know, like Metroidvania's often are, but had so much variety. Um, you know, you obviously do unlock the doorway to hell. Uh, and that allows you to fast travel so easily between the different places that you want to go because obviously space is space and time yeah, works well, very differently in hell. Once you sort of regain, regain your, uh, access to hell, then yeah, you get those, those additional traversal powers and that sort of thing. Um, I, I thought it was really quite interesting that they sort of took the, the idea of, you know, hell is literally infinite. Mm, mm. So that was you know, something you could spend- for Metroidvania. Absolutely, that they had areas of of essentially endless space, endless space that you could do anything you wanted. And then when you came back, because of the cyclical nature nature of hell, like it didn't matter how long you were there for, you could come out at any time that you sort of you sort of wanted to. Mm. So if you wanted mm. to come out. In the past, you could sometimes see yourself going in and pass your your previous self. Yeah, and and you know they they got away from some of the complexities of that that you couldn't actually like interact with your with your other selves. But they were definitely recording in some way your you know your motions at different times, mm-hmm. and and they had a few you know puzzles essentially that um, well yeah you had to go back into the past to. To, yeah. uh, to actually cause a thing then that you'd previously seen. Like, I think there was like the, the tree that's blocking one of the areas. Mm. You actually require, like at the beginning, it's blocking. Um, but you can go back into the past, go through there. That's actually how you get through to that area. And then there's sort of knock a, down the and tree. Then you yeah. have to knock down the tree as part of, uh, moving forward here. Yeah. Uh, like and then later on you can you can use your your bionic legs to actually give you the strength to to lift lift the tree yeah, and, well, that's it. and once you've powered them open up, up later and, on yeah. and added some uh you know bionic uh hands and things too then yeah you get you get much more strength and ability to to lift things. Um and look, the hydraulics like, hydraulics were amazing. Well, and I liked uh I like that sort of little nod as well from to like Bionic Commando that you had like the grapple. You got the grapple thing later on. Yeah, and- it was just weird. It was in the leg. Um, that you I know, mean, it was they, sort of going upside the down. Animations are so good. <laughs> yeah, you essentially like almost walking upside down, but they they extend out to grapple one. Yeah, yeah. But that was the animations on that were, were great. And and you know later on when you got the Bionic wings, that was really quite cool mm. and. Well, and you make oh, such good use of them just, in the infinite hell sections yeah. because then you can really like travel and yeah, and that's that's where some of some of the Easter eggs were. Like, um, don't know whether you found the door to heaven. Oh, uh, where was that? Behind, yeah, it was behind Satan's office. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, 
Um, and so you you went in there, and it was literally. I should have known. Just- I should have known to go through the waterfall. Like, there's always shit yeah, behind yeah, yeah. waterfalls, and of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought it yeah, was a water the waterfall. Of, the the waterfall of blood in in his in his office. You go through there, and there's a there's a door, and you you come out the other side, and it's now. It's just, I mean, they kind of cheaped out on it. It was a pallet swap. Like, it was right. exactly the same as the hell. same office. Just, it was God's yeah. office, basically. And you went through the waterfall on the other side, and now it was blue, and mm-hmm. and everything's white and not red anymore. And you know, it's like it's fun though. It's a fun little thing. Kind of peaceful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. The weird, the weird thing was that um, you saw some of the some of the other enemies that you'd killed, like either in hell or heaven, depending on you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that actually that's a, that's a good the story, point. and I like I like that yep. they added in like that they yeah that some of the the enemies that you faced had that sort of personality to them, mm. um, and you know were named enemies and that sort of thing. And yeah, based on certain decisions you've made on um, whether to kill them or not, they they turned they turned up in either heaven or hell. If well, they yeah, were I mean, killed. They, <laughs> yeah, they still end up dying, but. It's it's um, based on your conversations with them. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I liked it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna score things. <laughs> it's too okay. too much work. It was good. Okay. Can I talk about the game that you and I have been playing on and off mm. in between our rounds of Fortnite? Violent hamster paratroopers. <laughs> yes, of course. I know that. You know, we've been playing this so, so much. I mean, and it's a, I think it's appropriate that we've been playing it in between Fortnite rounds because there are some similarities there, of course. There really are. I mean, it's, it's pretty much Battle Royale with hamsters and they're, they're violent. They've got weapons. They've, you can put little suits on them and all this sort of stuff yeah. and little costumes. And the whole name of the game is, is literally you've got continuous like parachutes and shit yes, that you can, yeah. you can deploy. And it's a, it's a very vertical base. I was going to say, I really like the verticality of it and that you, you use those parachutes a lot. Um, it, it really lets you sneak up on people, particularly people who are new to the game and not used to just. Things coming down from above all the time. But, you know, while you're parachuting, you're so quiet. Uh, it's actually a really good way to get close to someone without except them being when, here. Except when the wind catches it the first time where you hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and there are those areas of, you know, more wind and, and, mm. um, and obviously if you get stuck in a, like in a tornado, then that's noisy, but you get sent back up. Um, yeah. One of the ways that you kind of also go up and rather than always parachuting down, because, of course, that's uh, mm-hmm. there's only so much you can come down. I really loved, like, things things like the um, the big water bottles to give you health. You know, you've got yeah. big water bottles and you can just lick the droplets and, and that gives you the health back. And, and again, like- Hamster balls. The, the animations like, just really make it for the theme of the whole thing. Um, mm. Yeah, I really liked some of the weapons, you know, being able to shoot out. I mean, your base thing sort of just being the, the hamster pellets, not the, like the food pellets. Yeah. Um, not, not the other hamster pellets. They didn't quite go no. as crass <laughs> as the other hamster pellets. That, that, that was a drop. That was only for one season. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then they vaulted them. Yeah. Um, uh, as they want to do. <laughs> I mean, and I think the, I think that was a good choice in this case. Um, 
But what I also loved was the fact that it felt like if you looked up, because they were all kind of cages that you were you were yeah. in, you could actually see all the all the way up, you know, three, four cages above and, and see fights that were going on there and and yeah, know, it's cool. do and some I mean, scaling, run run through some of the clear the clear tubing to get up to the next cage yes. and yeah. then jumping out. I do out love how much activity outside. you sort of see uh, at any one time. And they've made good use, as Fortnite does, of Unreal uh, to really give you that that really nice view distance and, and everything looks great. Um, I loved some of the traversal stuff as well, the non-parachute stuff, like the hamster wheel and the hamster ball, you know, each having their own kind of benefits. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the the ball being a bit more maneuverable, um, but couldn't quite get to the same top speed as the actual, like, wheel that you're running yeah. along through. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the wheel is how you actually got your stamina up and you could actually, you could climb a little bit longer and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know? What I liked is, though, unlike, unlike, you know, Fortnite where the storm is always coming towards the center, there's almost that- that thing of you've got lots lots of area to to sort of roam around with roam, roam around in it's not quite as big an island but you do have those those large towers of verticality mm. but you get to a certain point and it comes in from all sides including bottom and top well, so and it I, sort of that's it pulls it, you down into a certain it cage does compress that you're you going to end it. and and I thought what was cool is the way that instead of just having like a, a barrier you know or the storm like Fortnite does uh, that it all starts crumbling, like mm. it starts falling to pieces or, you know, or you see someone come and take the top cage away and it's like, okay, well, that area is out of it now. Um, yep. and of course, you know, if you're in that area, you've got, you've got, uh, you've got a little bit of time to parachute off and, and hopefully make your way back to, uh, the landscape that is still active essentially. But, and, and that's when you got to look for those updrafts and you got to look yeah. for, you know, yeah, the different ways to keep up to the keep edge, upward, a little bit yeah, exactly. Um, that was cool, oh, and so then the cool. character customization stuff was great. Being able to, you know, different lengths of fur, different, um, you know, again, just again, the shaders on the hair and stuff were so cool that you could, but you also know, you could be kind of a scruffy hamster or a nice yeah. sleek, shine a shining one. I like that they added guinea pigs in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, um, one of the things I really did enjoy is the fact that unlike Fortnite, where the whole thing is around, you know, collectibles and being able to miss out on these things, mm-hmm. you can never miss out on any of these things because you have to create all the things yourself. Like you, you get to choose the pattern. You get to, you can even upload new, um, yeah, it almost new textures a, like a Forza like, level of the, the customization, customization to really, yeah, your different fur colors. Uh, even like shine, like, um, specular maps and stuff. So you could have mm-hmm. an area of your, of your fur that is scruffy and an area that is more sleek and shiny. Uh, and it really gives you a lot of, yeah, a lot of ability to, to really express yourself. Um, and then yeah. of course the, the accessories and things with the hats and hmm. harnesses and flamethrowers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. All, all the regular hamster stuff that you'd expect to have in a game called violent hamster. Of course. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give it four. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, well, my next game that I've been playing, Go Go Gnome Saga, which is a, an interesting little semi rhythm based 
RPG. Okay. Where you do you play like a garden gnome. It's kind of Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, now I remember it. Now I remember it. Like, yeah, yeah. So kind I of, was thinking, I was thinking other type of gnomes, like D and D gnomes, like no, no, not the, garden yeah, gnomes. This so is yes. very much the sort of stubby little garden gnomes. Uh, and it's. I loved the way. I loved how deep they went into some of the gnome lore for garden gnomes. Like this is literally in people's gardens. You don't really see people. It's almost they don't. They don't really address it. It feels almost post-human, mm-hmm. but it could just, like, it's not clear. Like, it's not like it's a desolate space. All of the gardens are upkept. Well, I mean, not all of them, but, like, there are upkept gardens. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know if it's sort of just implying the gnomes don't interact with the humans. They almost live on a different, their, you know, their consciousness is on a different realm or something. But it's very much a human world that you're in. Um, one of the things I did like, uh, was that, you know, the, the procedurally generated gardens that, mm-hmm. that would be created each time that you go to do another run. Yeah. Well, that's it. The, yeah, the, the, we haven't mentioned that yet, obviously, but the roguelike nature of it, particularly for an RPG, I, I mean, roguelikes in a sense are RPG, like you've yeah, got a lot of the stats yeah. and your upgrades and stuff, but this very much had that that narrative going through and just the runs change so much as you sort of make your way through the story, which I thought was really cool. Um, the way that they did meld that procedural generation of, uh, essentially a run or a level. Mm. Um, and I mean, it almost played, it almost played more like a, like an extraction shooter kind of thing rather than a traditional roguelike because dying wasn't a restart. You know, if you fail a run, essentially, then you lose some resources. You don't get, you know, you, you, it's that risk reward thing of you, you want to gather your stuff and you don't want to be too cracked because they had to kind of glue you back together and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and that was a really cool way of, of handling the kind of the, the, both the health mechanic and then your max health sort of thing. Like, yeah. Uh, until you, until you got back to, um, to someone who could really plaster you back together. I mean, until you, until you got to the to, to the point where you had your own kiln, like, and then you could yeah. really put yourself you, back together. Well, properly. that's it. You can build yourself new bodies and things then too, yeah. um, because obviously the fragile nature of the porcelain uh, or or ceramic clay, or whatever ceramic, it is. whatever you want to call it, yeah, <laughs> ceramic is what I meant. Necessitates heat. Some, yeah, yeah, well, and just necessitates some level of being able to. Um, create new, new, uh, fuck, what's the word? Anyway, new bodies. Yeah. Yeah. What, what I really liked was th- as you went through the game and, um, you sort of saw, uh, the families, you know, from a distance, they then start to change. And as one of the, one of the families, you know, from, from the lower side of the, of the neighborhood, mm-hmm. their kid would, you know, all of a sudden, you know, be into, you know, loud metal t-shirts and all this sort of stuff and always be carrying around a baseball bat. And you had to be very careful so that you didn't, you know, get smashed by. Yeah. I, I just called him Sid. Like, he just, he, <laughs> I mean, he yeah, looked like, the, he looked like the kid from, from Toy Story. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, yeah, there were some, there were some humans in there, even though they, 
they mostly didn't show them. Um, like they weren't a, they weren't a huge part of the the gameplay. Um, but I no, did but like that you- extra flavor they added, and the way that it was then reflected in the gardens. Like when you're in those, you know, that that type of garden, it was, you know, a bit that it, it wasn't as well kept. There were different sorts of creatures in there that you know that you would expect. You know, you come up against rats and different things rather than snakes, just rats. Oh, that, yeah, that's rather snake than in level. The sort of oh. the more well kept gardens, it, it's more about, um, you know, dog like pets and things, um, bugs and snails. That you'd find snails, like things that you yeah. yeah, that you might find in a in a more World Cup garden. Um, but yeah, what, one thing I did like, and, and speaking of the kiln and the new bodies was, you know, obviously because a, a gnome's body is is baked in, essentially, yeah. that when you did upgrade, that was, A, that was where your character customization came in, was when you essentially make yourself Selected a new gnome a new, body. Yep. Um, but, but B, even changing tools and things, um, like your main tool you needed to, it, it, to to you need glue to in there glue basically, there and, and, and <laughs> set your new pose, um, mm. which I thought was really cool. And you had they had a lot of great pose selections, um, yeah. that that worked really well. Yeah, it was so really cool. Um, I really really enjoyed it, but it was I don't remember it being called uh, Go Go Name Go Go Saga. Go Go Name Saga. Yeah, that might I think be it's like a translation thing. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, so it's a Russian game, I think. Mm. Um, interestingly, uh, and which came across a little bit in in the sort of sensibilities of it and the aesthetics of it. Um, yeah, we didn't mention because no. of course there, there are there are minor rhythm elements, uh, mostly in the combat, and and you do kind of have these again, sort of these the Eastern European or Russian soundtracks going on that sort of have this heavy beat and stuff. And you would, it, it just yeah. really came down to, uh, you know, attacking on the beat and you'd get, a, you'd get some bonuses and things. Um, the, I'm glad the, the they best didn't make to, that a huge part of it, but. The best way to describe it is think Tetris and the different, yeah, yeah, the different yeah. songs. And yeah, like that, but less manic. Yeah, less manic. A bit of, um, a bit of the Papers, Please sort of stuff. Not quite as as plodding as that. Like, somewhere between yes. Tetris and Papers, Please. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, moving on. We'll, do, we'll make this one a little bit quicker, but I, I have to talk about everybody loves the jetpack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that was that was a pretty cool, um, pretty good, pretty cool, like, one or two screen adventure game. Like- yeah, well, it's, it was quite it was quite surreal in a lot of ways. Um, it was set, it was set in a factory, mm-hmm. and it was set in in you know the office at the front, and then the, and then the like the um, scientist lab basically, and you know people would come up and they'd ask to see the jetpack, and then they'd go inside go inside, and then they'd never come out, mm. and it was sort of going through the mystery and realizing that. When people went into into the scientist lab, you know, they fell in love with the jetpack and they couldn't stop looking at it. And it was, yeah. Well, so what I find what I found funny, obviously, there were a few everybody loves Raymond references in there mm. um, with some of yeah. the characters and stuff. And I mean, the canned laughter that that, that also sort well, of felt- and that's that's what I meant by surreal. Like it didn't it didn't have sitcom like esque jokes and things, but. 
then you'd get this laughter in there at these strange places. And yeah, I think that was clearly, that's clearly everybody loves Raymond, uh, inspirations here, but then they've sort of shoved mm. it into a very different sto- like type of story. So, um, but yeah, the, the, the surreal nature of it just, it, it gave a really interesting t- just tone, right? Mm, really did. Um, <laughs> I just, I really love the, the, the relationship that happened between like the receptionist and the scientist, mm-hmm. you know, um, the scientist knew that he'd made something that was going to be addictive, but somehow had this love for, for, or unrequited love, mm. I suppose you could call it for, for the, uh, receptionist that, you know, got him out of the spell. Of the um of the jetpack, yeah. Well, I'm not sure if they were intentionally sort of trying to make almost a, a moralistic thing there of you know a more wholesome love being the key mm. to breaking the obsession sort of thing. I'm glad they didn't really show us the jetpack fully. I feel oh, like that I, I, I imagine that you'd never want to actually leave the room. It was sort of by the time that you got in there, everyone was crowded around it. So therefore, yeah, so you kind of got like, you kind of got little little, corner, glimpses. little glimpses of it. But yeah, I'm really glad that they didn't like just end up showing because that would because obviously in a game they're not going to be able to actually live up to the what they've built up. Then I mean the main menu just showing the blueprints. Yeah, and just see that was cool. That was cool. Having that it's go across and then over another, them another one and, scanner yeah. scanning from under. Underneath and and yeah. like model model one model two and it's totally different. So you so you don't actually the know what the models. final one yeah. is. Yeah, I mean just the fact of it being a, that it's a jetpack that has enthralled people to this degree, like to a to a hypnotic degree, is so so surreal and ridiculous. But yeah, it worked. It worked well. I liked it. But um, yeah, and then the twist at the end. Like I don't know whether we should say it, but I mean, give it maybe just give a hint. Sentience. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. We'll I mean, that, 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 that's, a, that's, that's a pretty big giveaway. Him, but, yeah. <laughs> but maybe we'll leave it. We won't get too much into, into the sort of how it ends, but yeah. But check yeah. it out. If, if you, if you can find on the dark web, get go, out your own browser and yeah. Um, so I guess last one, yep. probably this one was cool and a bit of a, I liked the, anyway, galactic shaving on the Oregon trail. <gasps> Yes. So this is basically a a not not a full not a remake like it's not ex- it's not the same gameplay as Oregon Trail but it is a, a essentially a, a sci-fi space-based Oregon Trail esque yep. uh you know traveling and, and what I liked sort of is game. is you know they kept yes they've got Oregon Trail in the name but it's just I think that was to get name recognition yeah, because absolutely. Like it was this- actually called the Orion Trail in the actual game yes. so. Um, it felt more space-like. Um, yeah, that's it. But, and, oh. and interestingly, interesting for them to put shaving in then. I think that, again, they were just looking for something unique because yes, there are, you, like, you know, you can, you can cut yourself shaving, mm. uh, as one of the things and end up, uh, with an infection and die. Like, as yeah, with there, the Oregon there Trail, there are so many ways. Lots of different things to shave. You're not shaving yourself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, t- I took it to be, you know, you were shaving the skin off of the off of the apples with with the blades, mm-hmm. and you were shaving the um the wool off the um of the off the, space off the spaceship. Ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. 
Um, and I mean, I guess we should, for anyone who's played Oregon Trail, you, you get a sense of the gameplay. You're essentially, you're going to set up your, your starting, um, starting your, location, car- your location and, and your gear and your people. Um, yep. you know, you've essentially got this sort of space caravan going, uh, yeah, space yeah. convoy, your space convoy, yeah. a big, <laughs> big space convoy. <laughs> uh, and you essentially, and I mean, one of the reasons you, that you and I love this so much is storylets, right? Like they've made good use yeah. of storylets that as you oh. are going through this, the, this trail, I mean, it's got sort of a, an FTL ish vibe or, or, or I mean, FTL ish kind of had an Oregon trail vibe, I guess in a yeah. sense of, yeah, you, you go through locations and, uh, coming across different, come across different and, groups, different yeah. stories, different little things that you have, that you just have to resolve in different ways based on the resources you have and the people you have and their traits. And, and then as oh you my go God, in, you've got just- some of the mundane day-to-day sorts of things um, that you also end up resolving, again, based on your resources and stuff, like shaving and yeah. fee- one, food. One, and- one of my favorite storylists that happened in my game was just one that came out of nowhere where on on the first um, on the first night, we, we came across, like, a, a group of bandits that instead of fighting them, we befriended with, like, mm. beer and, and pretzels yep. and all this sort of stuff. And- uh, David, their leader, actually joined- Joins the, the caravan, yep. Joined the caravan and fell in love with, um- Yeah. My character, my character, whose name was Chrissy. Yep. And they were just, they just, uh, had the, had all this different stuff going on. He actually helped, you know, save, save the caravan. It's the, it's the only one that I got very close to finishing. Yep. Yeah, um, see, that's what I, I say love. very close because you know we got sixty nine percent through the um through the Orion Trail. Nice. Uh, that's that's what I love about a storylets and b just the the, mm. the sy- system based nature of it is that you can like like these sorts of games are often described. They're story making engines. Then right, yeah. like you've you've just told this story of coming across bandits, befriending them, falling in love with them, and then having them be, them be the hero that essentially, you know, nearly got you to the end. Yeah. But that wasn't planned. The storylet no. itself didn't even have that. It's just like once you, re- the res- resolution of that initial storylet was that character joins your crew. And then it was the traits and the, uh, you know, the interactions between your characters that are in your crew that built it from there. Like, yeah, I love that sort of stuff, and this yeah. does it really well. And it's just a lot of depth to it, and um, yeah, you just end up with with a lot of those. Um, what's the word? I always think of, I always try to say immersive, but that's not what I'm meaning. Yeah. Um. um fuck. This happens. Emergent. 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 Fuck. Every single time yeah. I try to think of the word emergent. Yeah, uh, yeah. So much cool little emergent stories that come out yeah. of it. I could have done with less graphic sex scenes, though. Uh, I mean, that might have. Been, I didn't get that many. That might have been your RNG on the storylets that got yeah got built, but it got it got really graphic there for a little bit. Uh, like I you, mean, and- you saw shit. Like that, well, you really didn't want to see, and, the, and you couldn't skip it. Well, and we talked about the shaving. Like there were many different yeah. things that got shaved. So many different things that got shaved, uh, and particularly when they weren't all like they're alien. They're aliens in the game. They're a different rate, like yeah. species of creature. Um, I well, was well, impressed. We, sh- was we shouldn't. We shouldn't talk about about the 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 eight legged the eight legged being. You didn't only have eight legs, did it? No. Between each Have, two legs, yes. there was uh, a 
Some lots of hair. Of, some sort of lots of hair. Lots of hair and some sort of uh, genetic instrument. Yes. Um, um, need you say more? And the fact that you saw all of it, like it was really <laughs> graphic. But anyway, I, I'd love I'd love the story. Let's just I let's, think this let's is why this game ends up sticking to the dark web and hasn't had a wider release. Yeah, uh, which is disappointing in a way. But look, this they they've got their artistic uh, goals, their vision, and they've stuck to it. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, look, um, I, I think, think that's it. Yeah. Let's, let's finish it up there. If you want to find our previous episodes online, go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm and, uh, shoot us a review. Let us know if you've played any of these games. Uh, if you're, you know, one to venture out in the dark web as well, uh, tell mm-hmm. us what you thought. If you like the song that we play at the start and end of each episode, that is Matt Defines off of the album Containment Failure by the band Kuradust. Uh, you can find it at kuradust.bandcamp.com. It's free. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And I have eight penises. <laughs>